Hello? 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 Uh, who is this? Is this white? Uh, yes. You're white? Yes. Hello. Hello, who is this? Where are you? Oh, I'm in Kathmandu. Oh, yes. Who is this? I'm I'm in Kathmandu also. Oh, you're in Kathmandu? Yes. Have we met? Yes. Yes, you know me. I'm big. Oh, big. Oh, have you eaten? Yes, I have. Have you oh, eaten? Not yet. It's it's still remaining. Oh. I'm making it right now. Oh, okay. How is your family? Oh, they're fine. They're fine. And yours? Yes, all good. All my, good. Yes, my my father. He's he's retired now. Oh, so yes, he's very happy. I'm so happy to hear that. Okay, well, I I'm hanging up now. Okay. Bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> it was weird to say goodbye and then start that episode. <laughs> Hello, I am big. And hello, I am white. (laughs) Together, we are big and white. And you are listening to the Big and White Podcast, a podcast where we explore what it means to be a foreigner in Asia, specifically Nepal. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for the clarification. (laughs) If you're new, or if you've been confused this whole time. (laughs) I listen to every episode and I'm still confused. <laughs> we are in Nepal. Yes, confirmed. Yes. Why don't you explain the episode? What are we talking about today, Big? Well, hello, everybody. Um, we are talking about misconceptions mm-hmm. of life overseas. Yep. And let me tell you, all y'all who think our lives are very glamorous, you're wrong. You're wrong. If there was a beauty contest... For expats, the winner <laughs> would be crowned misconception. Oh my god. I can't wait that just happened. I like need some time to recover. I'm gonna drink my drink. <laughs> okay, but also if you think our lives are like super hard, you also are the winner misconception. Yes. So but we're gonna help you out. Yeah, we'll tell you all about it. What people think and our actual experience, because weirdly, it just is normal. Yeah. If that makes Who knew? Sense. I know. Who knew it would be mm-hmm. normal, but it is. Um, okay, before we get to that, and before we talk about our weeks, mm-hmm. I feel like there's an elephant in the room. Oh. Of how this episode began. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we kind of flipped the script, didn't we? Like, everybody's really used to us making some weird Nepali outro. Right, like how you would hang up the phone. Yep. A totally, how we end our episodes. A totally normal Nepali phone conversation. Yes. But we realized we never told you guys how you start a Nepali phone conversation. Yes. And it is almost equally as uncomfortable for us yeah. Westerners. Yeah. <laughs> It's taken some adjustment. A lot of transition time at the beginning. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I have lived here for six years. 
And I've gotten used to the way that you hang up, but I still am not used to the way that people answer the phone. Yeah. I feel like part of it is different people do it differently. Mm-hmm. And then I just like get confused about what I'm supposed to do. That's but That's very true. As you guys heard, there's a lot of hellos, which normally means you can't hear the other person in my culture, but not here. <laughs> no, yeah, no. for us, we're like the expectation is like you called me. Right. You're the one who needs to initiate, but <laughs> but in the poly culture, then you just kind of like trade off for a while. You're like warming yourself up, you know, for the conversation to come. I do feel like, though, there's another option, which is zero warm up at all. <laughs> like my favorite moment when I was in a taxi and his phone rang and he just answered the phone. Why? <laughs> like, why did you call me it was amazing like the opposite of a slow warm-up that is true and sometimes like i'll get calls from people and they just launch into something immediately and i'm like what's happening i think you have a wrong number and then it gets really awkward yeah but usually so just to give you guys a quick um introduction to a nepali phone conversation you almost always have to say where you are. So like if you're calling someone, even if you haven't talked to them before, you say, hi, I'm calling from Kathmandu. Yeah. And then in just in general, you would ask on the phone or in person, have you eaten? Mm-hmm. So that's a common. There meeting. you guys go. And then it's usually short and to the point unless you – have somebody who's an opportunist who wants to get married <laughs> With actual to you as soon friends, as possible. It's usually short and to the point. I feel yes. like. <laughs> anyway, what is not short and to the point was this explanation that's gone on for like 20 <laughs> minutes. <sighs> Welcome. Welcome to our podcast. And goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you're still here, well, you probably like it. Our weird ramblings. I always feel like the episodes where I think it didn't go that well. I'm like, oh, it was weird and rambly. Then we get, like, good feedback. <laughs> like, okay, I, I don't know what the people want. <laughs> anyway, um, speaking of what the people want, yep. I bet the people want to hear about your week, White. I bet they do. Tell us. Um, what exciting thing happened to you? This wasn't this week, actually, but... It's been a while since our last episode. Since the last time that we recorded, we... Uh, I... <laughs> it's weird to talk in the first person, actually. <laughs> um, got recognized as one of the podcast hosts. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I forgot. That was really fun. I feel like he's going to be listening and he's going to be really embarrassed <laughs> that I'm mentioning this. Yeah, but we were at a restaurant together and yeah. then I left and then you text me like, oh, my gosh, there was a fan here the whole time. <laughs> yep. Yep. So I was like getting up to leave and putting things in my bag and stuff. And I hear like, excuse me. And I look over. He's like, I think he like just really just dove into it. He's like, are you big or white? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I love it. It made me really happy. So I love that when that happens. And it does not happen very often. But it makes me feel like a million bucks when (laughs) it does. Like we've gotten recognized a couple times. And then one time I took a picture of something and then a listener messaged me oh, later yeah. that day it was like this is a picture with me in it down the street <laughs> in your photo weirdly <laughs> so funny oh yeah that, that was great so fun i love mm-hmm. it yep what about you well 
I am doing something really fun and exciting. Mm-hmm. I'm taking a master's level course online. Wow, what's the what's the subject? Um, okay, this might sound nerdy, but it is so fun and interesting. It's historical and comparative linguistics. I mean, it 100% is nerdy. <laughs> But I don't know. It though. can be interesting. I feel like I don't know. Maybe this is just like my bias, but to me, I feel like most of linguistics should be interesting for everyone, even if you're not a nerd, because <laughs> you speak a language or sign a language mm-hmm, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like we all use language, mm-hmm. so language is interesting. But it especially applies to our work a lot. So I think I find it double interesting. Mm-hmm. But basically, what it is is we're looking at how language changes over time and what that can tell us about the relationship between languages. So, you know, were they once one language and then split off into multiple languages? Have they come into contact with each other? Like, do they borrow words and features from each other or whatever? Mm -hmm. And yeah, it's basically a way of looking at languages and figuring out how they're all related and what they looked like in the past yeah that's cool it's really cool it's super fun it sounds like hard work though it is oh my gosh there's so much reading (laughs) it's hard too because it's like you can't skim like linguistic examples Mm -hmm. you know (laughs) they're like yes um and and they list these like you know five polynesian languages and it's like and the dental fricative in this language changes to the alveolar fricative, but in this one, it changes to the glottal fricative. And I'm like, okay, I can I understand, but I have to read very slowly. Yeah. <laughs> so you get back to your like linguistic roots, you know, when you're in the library and you're like, fuh, fuh, fuh. <laughs> Ah, okay. (laughs) I especially do that with English examples because it'll be like, yeah, in some dialects of American English, this vowel has changed to this vowel. So I'll be like, bean, bin, bean. Oh, I do say that. (laughs) I get some pretty weird Instagram voice messages being like, Man, like, what are you saying? <laughs> like, oh my gosh, wait, listen, this is from your dialect. And you're like, no, it's not. <laughs> like, that was Midwestern somehow. I don't know how. <laughs> it's hard to speak someone else's dialect, okay? It is. It really is. But yeah, it's fun. It's kind of like silver lining of COVID is that classes are online now. Mm-hmm. So we have access to classes from Canada. Yeah. And it's fun, too, because there's a couple of other people that I know here are also taking the class. So we sort of have, like, the classroom camaraderie. Like, we'll watch the video together and um, talk about, you know, how it applies to our work and stuff. Yeah. I am absolutely loving it. Anyway, well, should we get to the um, main part of that episode? Yeah. Okay. Um, I think we should start with talking about... Kind of what you were talking about yesterday, of how our lives are weirdly normal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, I think that's the misconception that we maybe come up against the most, or I do at least. To me, it's almost, it, it's like the umbrella for me. Yeah. Of like, all these other things. But really, the summary is, like, our life feels normal to us. Yeah. Because it is. Yep. Yep. I think in an earlier episode, you um, made the connection that 
being an expat is kind of like being in a war. (laughs) (laughs) I think we were talking about that, like, you make really deep relationships with people very quickly because it feels like you're kind of in the trenches. Yeah. Um, And um, (laughs) while we are not saying that (laughs) you should come up to us and say thank you for your service... (laughs) That would be not good. We are not on that level. Um, Wear a red poppy for us. <laughs> oh, please don't be offended. Um, yeah, I read a book actually by Jocko Willink the other day. Mm, yes, and, um, he's great. He's a Navy SEAL. And he was saying that all of the advice that he gives is applicable to the regular like Western business culture because war is the same as regular life. It's just amplified. Like it's just more intense than mm-hmm. what you would normally go about in your home country. Yeah. And um, that's true for our lives too. Yeah. Like, so it's a little bit like reductive to say, oh, our lives are totally normal. It's like, well, yeah, they are normal, but – they are more intense probably than what you will usually interact. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and I think part of it too is it's not normal for someone who doesn't live where we live. Right. But it becomes normal. Right. right? Like Nepal is normal for Nepalis Mm -hmm. and America is normal for Americans. And and even different parts of America are different. Right. You know? Yeah, exactly. Like, like whatever I, country you're from, whatever town you're from, that's normal to you. Mm-hmm. And other people's normal is their normal. Wow, yep. this is getting weird. <laughs> How many more times can I say the word normal? normal. But yeah, so it, it takes a while to transition to where it feels normal. Mm-hmm. But then once it does feel normal, it's almost hard to like kind of retranslate back. People are like, oh my God, your life is so exciting. I'm like, no, it's not. I just cycle through insane traffic every day to get to work and then just yeah. like buy Nepali food for lunch. It's normal. What do you <laughs> All right. I guess Stop putting me on a pedestal. Street cows are normal. Why are you being weird? <laughs> uh, yeah. So it is normal, just normal amplified. Yeah. Normal that- plus thought then let's go into the rest of all of the misconceptions that we come up against yeah i think um one of the first most obvious ones is that we travel all the time that makes me want to cry right now (laughs) i know um i feel like it's one of the things though where it's like i'm like i don't travel all the time and then i look at my schedule for the last three years and i'm like "Mm, i travel a lot (laughs) and i mean to be fair when people are like you travel all the time i'm like i never travel and they're like you live in nepal yeah like that's not traveling (laughs) right to us it doesn't feel like traveling because we live here but (laughs) it is foreign that's for sure (laughs) but Yeah, but we realized with all of this craziness over the last few months, when we haven't left Kathmandu Valley since Mm. February, that actually we do travel quite a bit. I feel like for me, though, this is probably true for you as well. It comes in phases, right? Mm. So it was like, I'll have like nine months where I hardly leave Kathmandu. 
And then I'll have a year where I have eight international flights, Mm -hmm. you know? So it kind of just depends on, like, what's going on that year, like, what our schedule is for work, that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, we probably do travel more than a lot of Americans because America is so big. People don't leave it very much. Mm -hmm. But they've traveled to different states and, Mm -hmm. you know. But, yeah, I mean, I think part of it is kind of the – it's that, like – the Instagram bias of like I don't mm. post a picture of going to the office every day. That's like, true. My life feels kind of boring. I'm like, oh, I'm so tired of going to the office. Yeah. But I do post a picture of like going to a hotel with my friend mm-hmm. or going to a conference in Thailand or whatever. So it's easy to look like we yeah. travel all the time. Yeah. Like, I wish we did. Now we do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. What else? What are some other misconceptions? <laughs> Speaking of Instagram bias, another misconception is that we are inspiring. <laughs> we lead inspiring lives. <laughs> you should have seen me at midnight snacking and watching uh, Merlin last night. <laughs> inspiring. Very inspiring. Uh, oh, my gosh. Yeah, maybe this kind of comes up again, like, depends on if you're an expat, like, which country that you live in. Oh, for sure. And um, since we live in a country, a developing country, then people tend to think that, I don't know, that we're selfless for moving <laughs> here or something. Such a which hero. Is, which is so <laughs> weird. I know, it feels really weird. I'm like, ooh, I'm not. Not inspiring. I mean, we could be living somewhere else and making more money and doing a different job or whatever. Like, there are hard things about our life, but I think there's so much good and benefit and joy living here that it doesn't feel like, oh, I'm making this big sacrifice. (laughs) It's just like, I absolutely love my life here. So I guess if doing what you love is inspiring, then we are inspiring. Hey! flip that one around on you i think that there's like a big difference of living a life where people can look to you for inspiration Mm -hmm. versus or like people can look up to you Mm -hmm. versus like being seen as selfless and kind of on this like pedestal that you're helping people or you know (laughs) i don't know like the mother Teresa. oh gosh type of yeah fallacy oh my gosh none (laughs) of us are mother Teresa, and mother Teresa wasn't mother Teresa. (laughs) yeah you never got to see mother Teresa when she was in a really bad mood and ranting and raving exactly or grumpy yeah Mm-hmm. So we do try to live in a way that is, uh, like intentional, intentional giving, yeah, loving. But most people, wherever they live, will probably try to do that. I hope so. You guys should do that. Hope we've inspired you. Highly recommended. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's move on. <laughs> um, speaking of inspiring lives. Do you ever get people that think you live in the village? <laughs> yeah. Not as many now. Okay. As like maybe my first year or something. Yeah. People back at home. Like I got quite a few times people were like, so you're in Kathmandu, but like when are you moving to the village? It's like, <laughs> when did I ever say I was moving to the village? <laughs> I feel like I get this a lot 
that from other people who have lived overseas that have lived in the village. <laughs> and they're like, yeah, so what's it like? You know, and I'm like, I live in a dense urban center. <laughs> I go to coffee shops a lot. Yeah. I don't know. I hang out with Nepali hipsters. <laughs> it's like so different. Yep. Yeah. It's hard when you don't know a country like Nepal is pretty unique too, but it's right, like, yeah, it feels like we live in a capital city. Yeah, maybe if you haven't traveled to like a non Western country, it would be a little bit harder to picture. Yeah. Like, what is a city like right. where you are? Right. Yeah. Because the pictures that you see of Kathmandu are not all of the like Himalayan Java, which is like the Nepali version of Starbucks. Yeah. Like, they don't. You know, you don't see those kind of pictures That's in a newspaper. True. You see, like, the ancient stupas and right, yeah. newar homes that were built in the 1400s. Which, like, I mean, we also have those close by. Those are awesome. very cool, yeah. But Nepal is very, like, integrated. Mm, that's a good way of putting it, yeah. yeah. We have all that kind of, like scenic old interesting stuff yeah. just mixed with like normal city we also like just went to a french bakery and ate gruffins <laughs> which is a croissant shaped like a muffin it was very yummy and i pretty much guarantee you that even my home state does not have that <laughs> <The whole state. laughs> oh man so funny yeah, I feel like I also get people like, oh, man, you must hike all the time. You live in the Himalayas. <laughs> I'm like so embarrassed. I'm like, no, I don't. <laughs> I do it like twice a year. <laughs> yeah. Like sometimes I walk to the office. That takes like <laughs> 10 minutes. <laughs> Elevation change of three meters. <laughs> yeah, I I think that like when people visit, it helps, right? Mm -hmm. They kind of see like, oh, okay, get a sense. Like my parents visited... They've both traveled a ton, but maybe not recently enough. I don't know. They were, like, so amazed that my apartment was so nice. <laughs> like, <laughs> I have shown you videos of my apartment. Like, we have talked about yeah. it. It was like they couldn't conceptualize it until they were there. They're like, this is nicer than our house. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> it was really funny. Yeah, I guess the um the opposite side of that mm. would be that people also sometimes just assume that because we live um somewhere where like rent is cheaper or whatever, like they assume everything in Nepal is cheaper and therefore we must live like kings. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like definitely not. <laughs> not. And we've seen a very wide variety of expat apartments mm -hmm. across mm -hmm. nepal mm -hmm. so like you have some people who like really do live like kings yeah and um, they have like a personal driver for their car yeah. and a gardener and yeah. a cook and yeah and then we also have people that we know who are like they have a bed <laughs> a, like a cane really cheap two cups one spoon <laughs> yeah like just cement floors yep and you know what a lot of times that really depends on your job and income. No. It's crazy <laughs> how that works. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> but um we're kind of a uh, probably middle middle of the road. Expat middle. Yeah. I know sometimes I'll, I mean even compared to Nepalis, sometimes I feel rich and then I see an actual rich Nepali and I'm like, yeah. "No, no, I am not rich. <laughs> not even close." <laughs> My shirts are just not that white. 
My <laughs> shoes are not so white. <laughs> like, mm, that motorbike cost more than my sports car in oh the my U.S. Gosh. Great. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. We're normal. Yep. It's true that rent is cheaper than mm-hmm. it would be in the U.S., but also other things are more expensive. So, mm. And you're buying all these flights because you travel all the time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Let's see what else. Um, does everyone you know expect you to speak like 50,000 languages? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, especially because we're linguists, but yeah. I also think it's just like, Oh, you're an international person. You must know all these languages. <laughs> it's like, that would be nice. I would love that. But yeah. I have not put in that no. kind of effort. <laughs> the the linguist version of it stretches like to our other expat friends in Nepal, too. <laughs> when you're like, yeah, I'm a linguist. And they're like, oh, 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 and they like shut down immediately. And you're like, so how's language learning going? And they're like. Well, I don't want to tell you because you're a linguist and you'll make fun of me. I should really try harder. I'm just, I'm not, I'm not doing so well. And I'm like, it's okay. No one is judging you. (laughs) What do you think I do all day? I'm like, daily task. Make someone feel bad about their language learning progress. (laughs) Check. (laughs) Number two, work on my Sanskrit and my French (laughs) and maybe start on some Hausa. Yeah, pretty much. It can be really fun, though, when people ask you like a question about like, how many languages do you speak? Mm -hmm. And somebody that we both know who used to live here, he was like, no, you just need to play along with them. Like when they (laughs) ask you how many languages you speak, then just like pause and like start counting on your fingers (laughs) and take like 10 seconds and be like, I'm just kidding. I just speak too. (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing. I'm totally going to do that next time. Although some people really like that. Like, I feel like we as Americans don't speak that many languages, Mm -hmm. but like I was talking to someone and she's from Asia and I was like, yeah, how many languages do you speak? And she had to do that. She's like, well, I guess I speak this and this. Oh, yeah, and I guess this. And, well, <laughs> I guess six. And I was like, okay. <laughs> We're like, I don't know, one point six, seven. Like, yeah. I mean, so a lot of expats do speak a lot of languages, but it's not necessarily the case, mm-hmm. I guess. Like, you can't assume that that's true. Right. Because you guys may not know this, but it's hard to learn languages. <laughs> you can't just, like, learn by osmosis Mm-mm. just by being there, you know. It takes a lot of effort. Okay, going along with that, though. Yeah. So, like, white, you live in Nepal. Mm-hmm, Are I you, do. like, fluent in Nepali? <laughs> Yeah, nah. <laughs> I feel like my answer is always define fluent. <laughs> I know. I never know how to actually answer that. Yeah. Because I don't want to like shortchange how much language we can speak. Mm-hmm. Like both of us, like it's a high enough proficiency that we can get along with, like we can always get our meaning across and we can understand what needs to be done well, to some kind of level Uh, yeah i think part of the reason it's hard is our knowledge is so domain specific yeah exactly like we can talk a lot about languages and stuff like that but i cannot have a political conversation Mm -mm. i can't read a first grade textbook Mm -mm. (laughs) so it's kind of like a weird combination yeah um but yeah usually i just say like kind of what you said and then i'll say 
but I can't read and write very well. Yeah. Which still, like, we can answer that question really well, and people still aren't going to understand what that means. Mm-hmm. Nepalis love to ask percentages. Like, yeah. It's so funny. It's like very specific. They're like, so you speak like 80%? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> On a good day. Yeah. On a bad day, I speak about 48. <laughs> After months of lockdown and not having gone to the village at all for work, I'm down to like 22. <laughs> but, yeah. I mean, part of it too is that we live in Kathmandu, which... A lot of people speak English here mm-hmm. more and more, too. It's, you know, it's useful for life, and it's kind of a prestigious language. Mm-hmm. So more and more people speak it, and then it's hard to practice Nepali. Yeah, Especially right. when other people want to speak English with you. Like, it feels kind of rude to be like, no, we will speak Nepali even though I suck at it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that, yeah, in Kathmandu, it, I speak I speak Nepali pretty often, but the domains in which I speak Nepali are like the most basic things that you like the like, things that you learn first. Like, going shopping. Do you have tomatoes? <laughs> How much per kg? That much? No. Expensive. <laughs> Less. Okay. Do I have enough money? Thank you. <laughs> Like, those are conversations I have pretty much every single day. Right. I yeah. eat a lot of tomatoes. <laughs> I'm going for you. Oh, man. Yeah. It's a weird, it's a weird mix. Yeah. So, are we fluent? No, yes. No. Ish. Proficient is a good We're word. We're proficient. Yeah. But it doesn't work if you ask somebody, so how long have you lived in Nepal? A year? Oh, you must be fluent by now. <laughs> It's like, oh, I remember people asking me that. And I was like, I don't know. <laughs> Six years later, I'm like, definitely not. Yeah. <laughs> My answer gets less confident yeah. the longer I live here. <laughs> it's that thing. It's like, the more you know, the more you realize you don't know. Absolutely. It's so true. Which, speaking of, actually, mm-hmm. another misconception, mm-hmm. which I feel like we probably even fall prey to a lot. Yep. Is we know everything about Nepali culture. Mm, but do we? No, we really don't. <laughs> it is kind of easy to get complacent though. Yeah. Like you learn a lot of basic things or like you kinda you get one answer to a question and you just assume that's the only answer. Right. Like you don't have the nuance or the complexities or whatever. And it all is just confirmation bias after that. Right, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You have to keep like questioning like you know, asking more questions, being interested. Mm-hmm. It takes work to c- constantly be open to learning new things about your surroundings. It's a lot easier if you're like, yeah. oh, I process this information. This is what's <laughs> going on. I'm not going to think about it anymore. Yeah, so true. So it's easy to do. But it it also depends so much on like how what you how you answer questions about the culture depends so much on what your work is within mm, Nepal, who, who you're, you're surrounded with. by. Yeah, true. That's very true. Like to us, like we know a lot about the language situation in Nepal. Mm-hmm. And we think that that's the most important thing. So we can answer <laughs> a lot of questions about that. And other yeah. people are like, there are other languages other than Nepali? Right, yeah. You know, so I'm sure there's so many things that we have no we don't even know that we don't know right we just have complete blind spots about it yeah absolutely right 
Okay, here's another one. Mm-hmm. Tell me. All our best friends are Nepalis. We don't have oh. any expat friends. Did you know that neither of us are Nepali? <laughs> <laughs> Shoot, no, it's already broken. <laughs> yeah, I think that's something that I definitely assumed would be the case when I moved to Nepal. I thought that I would instantly just like develop all these amazing relationships and you know, just be like basically be a local and I'd oh, be a little fluent. baby white. I know. You were so sweetly naive. I know. <laughs> and now I feel like four years in, I have some Nepali friends. Like it took me that long to kind of figure out like these this is kind of my community. Like these are people that I am legitimately I want to be friends with, not just that it's like, oh, this is gonna feel hard, but I want to learn the language or I want to make relationships. It's right. just like, oh, these are people I really like. <laughs> I would be friends with you regardless. We're real friends. Yeah. It is true, though. It's really hard. Like, you know, I mean, to be friends with someone, you want to, like, have stuff in common, mm-hmm. have things to talk about. And when, especially when you move to a country that has a really different culture from mm-hmm. yours, just it feels more like work than like yeah being friends or hanging yeah. out it can take a long time and then it's just easier to keep making the easy choice like well i'll just hang out with my expat friends yeah they get me whatever yeah we have friends who are like very different than us mm-hmm. but it also can be a little bit exhausting because the power um like hierarchy is there yeah so like really and this happens you know, if you've interacted with people in your home country who have immigrated there, mm-hmm. then, like, it feels different. Like, yes, you can be really good friends, but you're the mother tongue speaker. They are learning something from you. And right. hopefully it's a give and take, too. But mm-hmm. it's not exactly equal. Yeah. And that can be can be overcome, but it takes some energy. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So all that to say, I guess all of our best friends aren't locals. Yeah. We do have local friends. We do. But we also have a lot of expat friends. We do. Yeah. Yeah. And we love it. It's fun. Yeah. They're cool. It's a very rich environment to live in. Yeah, absolutely. Speaking of a very rich environment, it can also be kind of a complicated environment that we live in because we're part of a nepal culture we're part of an expat culture and we also have our home culture that mm-hmm. we still participate in mm-hmm. and so yeah i guess one misconception with that is that people assume that we are that our relationship with our home culture is simple we are american right yeah therefore everything that we do can reflect that <laughs> identity right Yeah, and I feel like kind of that, I mean, we're generalizing and saying that people think our relationship with our home culture is simple, but that Mm -hmm. can look different ways. So one way might be like, oh, well, you left, so you must hate your home culture. (laughs) The end. (laughs) No, (laughs) I have critiques of it like Mm -hmm. anyone, but. But we also appreciate our home culture a lot more than some people who have lived there their whole lives. (laughs) That's very true because we've seen other ways yeah that's true but i also feel like then on the flip side of that some people instead of assuming that you hate it assume that you love it so much and you're so ingrained in it that like 
coming back to your home culture is just the most natural thing. Right. It's so easy. Mm-hmm. No readjustment necessary. Right, right. You're just back where you belong. Yeah. Which can be a negative thing, can be a positive thing. Like, Yeah, it's welcoming, I guess, but it yeah. also can mean that their expectations don't match right. with your experience. <laughs> like... The last time I went home for Christmas with my family, I had only been there for like four days or something, mm-hmm. and all my family came together, and my mom doesn't know that the way around that city that we were in, and so she and my brother asked me to drive her car. <laughs> Assuming that you knew your way around Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I did, but I hadn't driven a car in a year and a half, and it's on the wrong side of the road from Nepal. Right. And I'd only been in America for a couple days. There was, like, no question. Yeah. Like, oh, can you do this? Yeah. It's like, oh, obviously. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, of course you can You can drive. Like, you used to own a car, right? Like, <laughs> it's fine. There's no adjustment needed. And then I got in, and I only turned the key one time so that it just would turn on the radio because that's how much I need to turn my scooter key. And um, and then I was like, why, why won't it go? <laughs> and they're like, you have I to turn it. how to a car. <laughs> you have to start the ignition. And I was like, mm-hmm. And so I wondered, like, in that instance, if they were like, uh-oh. <laughs> everything was fine nothing happened Good at job. all i'm so proud of you but yeah just that assumption that it's like yeah right it's like yeah normal. you went to your sister's house one time of course you can drive us there <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah i guess the other end of the spectrum would be that people assume that because we don't live in america then we don't know how to do anything anymore. <laughs> I mean, that feels closer to reality, but it's also not true. Yeah. <laughs> like, I think sometimes people think that it's, I don't know, the 1750s circa. <laughs> They're like, have you heard of Uber? <laughs> <laughs> yes, thank you. <laughs> yeah, we do have the internet. Yep. We have YouTube. Yeah. Very so helpful. We like know some things that are happening. Sometimes we read the news when mm-hmm. we feel like lighting our hair on fire. Mm-hmm. Uh, what else? Yeah. We have a, a general knowledge of yeah. our home culture. And sometimes we understand other cultures. We get trends like a lot sooner mm. than America. Yeah, you like do you, because you look at Instagram a lot. But that's true. <laughs> like, do you guys remember like Dalgona coffee? Oh yeah, the like whipped coffee that was like everyone was obsessed with in March. Um, well, we were obsessed with it in March. You guys didn't know about it until like a month later. <laughs> um, we totally win. Okay, <laughs> because it it was like an Eastern thing. I, was it Korean? Uh, yeah, I think yeah. so. Yeah, so. It moved across our world. Before then, it got to the West. Yeah. We're hip. We just like stared at each other <laughs> smugly for two seconds. Like, yeah, we knew Dalgona coffee was disgusting before you guys did. <laughs> oh my gosh, we love it. 
Yeah. So, you guys, uh, we're like totally normal. Okay. But not too normal. We don't travel all the time, except we kind of do. (laughs) We don't have entirely inspirational lives. (laughs) Just vaguely. (laughs) But we would like to be respectable people. Yeah. We don't live in the village. But there was a cow hanging out by my house for like six hours today. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. That tracks. We don't necessarily live like kings, but... Maybe our flat is nicer than yours. I don't know. We do eat cruffins. We eat cruffins on occasion. (laughs) (laughs) Um, We do not speak a million languages. Mm -mm. Definitely not. But some of our friends do, so that's got to count for something. Yeah. We don't know everything about the culture that we live in. I know you guys are surprised. Sorry. Yeah, we're trying, but... We're also failing. (laughs) (laughs) We will always fail. Continuously. (laughs) And yeah, our relationship with our home culture is not clear and simple. No. We don't hate it. We don't always remember it. Mm. Also, though, we know some stuff. Mm -hmm. Doggone a coffee. Yep. Doggone a coffee. (laughs) And with that, let's wrap up the episode. (laughs) (laughs) We could have just said that whole list to start out with. This episode would have only been like eight minutes long. You know, I wonder if anyone wants that. If that would have been refreshing. Like, Too finally. long didn't read. <laughs> the eight minute episode that we I've been waiting don't for. Don't travel. We aren't inspiring. <laughs> we don't live like kings. Done and dusted. The end. Well, speaking of done and dusted, which is that a phrase? In your dialect? Because I've never heard anyone say it before. Hmm, I think it is. Okay. Um, shall we move to our segment of the week? Better. I gotta go look up Done and Dusted. Okay. It's a British expression from the mid-20th century. <laughs> oh my god. You are secretly British in so many ways. <laughs> I could have picked that up anywhere, though. Yeah. <clears throat> I listen to a lot of British people. It's true. Well, congratulations on your weird Britishism that Thanks. you just borrowed into American English. Yep. Proudly. Um, Speaking of languages. Yes. You want to talk about how weird it is to express yourself in another language? Oh, yeah. It's weirdly it's hard. hard. Yeah. So, you guys probably know this, but let's just have a little linguistics moment. Um, Languages don't map one-to-one. So, it's not, when you're learning language, it's not just like memorizing. Like, okay, in English, we say foot. In Nepali, they say kuta. But guess what? In Nepali, foot and leg go together. Yep. They don't have two separate words like we do. Mm -mm. That's one example. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, so like... In languages, it's not just kind of this, like, word-for-word translation thing. There's just whole complete different ways of expressing a concept. And sometimes that can be really hard. Yeah. Because you might have concepts that you're used to in your language that don't exist in the new language that you're speaking. And you're like, how do I get this across? Like, this is what I want to say. They're just like, well, a Nepali would never say that. So good luck. (laughs) Like, figurative language makes up such a huge percentage of 
any language. Yeah. But it's the last thing that you learn as a non-native speaker. Like there's all of these different figurative frames. So like in English, we like the life is a journey. Mm. So you look forward to tomorrow because you're on a journey. Like all of the metaphors somehow relate back to arriving at some destination that is your goal or things like that. But you can't really explain that. And you don't realize that this metaphor of life is a journey is the reason that you use the prop the preposition on instead of another language that would use the preposition in something you know something like that yeah it's like so deep you don't even feel yourself doing it i know i actually for my historical linguistics class i was reading about how a lot of like prepositions and some kind of verbal phrases started as something physical Mm. so thinking about like we, for future tense in English, we say going to, mm-hmm. right? But that originally, like even in Shakespeare's time, it just meant physically going. Mm. Like I am going to a location. Yeah. And over the last 500 years, it has transitioned to mean future tense. I have a plan to do wow. something. Crazy. It is crazy. I know. Anyway, so that's a thing. Yeah. But then other languages have different ones. Yeah. And it's hard. It is hard because those are the things that you can't really ask for in a language lesson. Right. Yeah. It's like so deep. It just kind of happens. Yeah. You know. And so sometimes like when you're learning a language, like when we've been learning Nepali, then maybe like you're still trying to transpose your English Mm -hmm. frame Mm -hmm. onto Nepali and like you say (laughs) all the words right. But they're like, what the heck are you talking about? That is such an awkward way to say it. And you're like, oh, no. (laughs) It's crazy. But then the cool thing is that over time, your brain just adjusts. Yeah. Like you kind of learn it intentionally or, you know, someone says, okay, this means this. Mm -hmm. But a lot of it is just using it over time. Mm -hmm. You kind of absorb that whole frame of mind. Yeah. Like it goes into your brain and creates yeah. a new little structure that wasn't there before, which is so cool. You have a whole grammar in your brain. What? Yeah, it's actually, so there was this idea in linguistics, it's called the Sapir-Whorf hypothesis. Mm-hmm. And it, it's about how the way language works kind of affects the way that you perceive things. So Whatever the way to say something is, you kind of conceptualize it that way. Right. So, like, in Nepali, they say that feelings fall upon you or take you, Mm -hmm. which is, like, such a, like... An anger gets up. Yeah. (laughs) But if you think about it, like, that could affect the way that you think about it. As it was, like, I am feeling, like, this feeling has taken me. Right. Right. Like you're not the active agent. Right. So, the emotion is the active agent. You're just the recipient of this thing. Right. So there's been research on this. It's not totally conclusive, but it's kind of the idea that like the words and the framing, maybe that actually mm-hmm. has an effect on how you perceive it at a deep level. Right. So the Sapir-Whorf hypothesis was based around colors and how color terms um if those are universal or not. And keep in mind that this is a fairly old hypothesis. Mm. So when they were doing studies for this, this was like really groundbreaking. And now we're like, uh, you know, 
I've heard a thousand podcasts about this. It's not a big deal. But anyway, they were doing studies about um, how different languages and cultures use different terms for colors. Like if you have only one term to represent the part of the color spectrum of green and blue, they call it the GRU category. And a lot of languages have this. Um, So they said, well, if you only have a GRU category, can you tell the difference between these different shades Mm, of colors? mm -hmm. So it was really interesting. Um, Some of it has been debunked now, I think, but. Or there's like more nuanced explanations of it, I feel. Mm -hmm. But yeah, super interesting. But yeah, it's kind of a chicken and the egg. Right. Like language comes out of your thinking. Yeah. And your thinking is also shaped by language maybe. So, Mm mm-hmm. It is interesting, though, as a second language speaker, it's kind of a different experience, right? Yeah. Like, growing up in a culture with a language is one thing. But, like, for us, for example, I mean, we can talk about in Nepali, like, our way of looking at things maybe has shifted because we've learned Nepali, mm-hmm. right? Like, does yeah. that ever happen to you when you're, like, back in the States or talking to someone who lives, has never lived in Nepal? And you really want to use this one word in Nepali because yes, that's uh, the only thing that fits the concept. <laughs> like, how did I say this in English before I knew this word? I don't know. <laughs> it's even, I think, harder in Nepal because you're speaking about Nepali concepts, but you're talking mm. in English. Yeah, that's true. You're so, right. like, I'm like, I have this internal dialogue. I'm like, can I use the word Malaunu? <laughs> Do they know that word? It represents the situation, but will it just be more confusing? Yeah. So for those of you who don't know, Malaunu means like organize, put together, fix up, align, arrange. arrange. It's so many concepts yeah, in one. It's beautiful. It is so glorious. You can just use it for everything. It's a delight. Yep. Another one that I love is, like, Gumnu. Yeah. Which is, like, to go around, I guess. Yeah. Like, whenever we're in the village, I feel like it's kind of, there's always this moment where someone's like, shall we Gumnu? Mm -hmm. And then you just take a walk around the whole village and see everything and say hi to people. Explore, tour, if a a road is really winding and switchbacking, then it's a... A winding road would be a gume kobasho. Yeah. It's pretty good. It is really good. And yeah, I mean, we can explain it in English, but there's something different about Mm -hmm. that. Like one, it's one concept all combined. Yep. And it's just right. Yeah. Are there any others that stick out to you from like, that kind of changed the way that you think when you learned Nepali? I can't think of any like specific examples right now, but I will say that Learning Nepali massively impacted how I relate to the culture Mm. because the two go hand in hand. Like you can't really truly understand the culture unless you can understand the language and vice versa. Such a good point. And I have a lot of friends who maybe were only here for a short time and then they went back to their home country and they didn't get a chance to learn Nepali. And like hearing them relate to the culture made me realize if they would have learned a little bit of Nepali, I think that they would have been able to understand these concepts way more and be able to understand Nepali's way more. And it was just kind of like a tragedy to me that it's like they had to leave without 
getting to know this really integral part of the country that they had lived in for months or years. That is such a good point. You're right. So uh, even just like family terms, like that's one of the first things that you learn in a language class in Nepal. Mm -hmm. And if you don't learn those things, then you're kind of setting yourself up for failure in some ways. <laughs> right. Because people use them even with strangers. Yeah. It's like oh, such a way to connect. And just that, like, well, that's a great example. I mean, like in my home culture, we don't have a very hierarchical mindset. Mm -hmm. So having different terms for different types of people, it really just starts you off in the interaction, posturing your relationship mm -hmm. in a certain way. Right. You know, so like if I meet someone and they call me Baini, which means younger sister, then I know the type of interaction that I can expect. Like, yeah. oh, they're kind of my patron, like they're going to help me, but they also might try to order me around mm -hmm. or something, you know, mm -hmm. or like... I hear someone call someone else Ama, which means mother. And usually you would use that for like an older woman, like kind of grandmother age. Yeah. And to me, that means they have a lot of respect for her and they're there for her. Like they will help her with things that she needs or, you know. Yeah. Or like the kind of bad example, like what was that guy calling you? Yeah, Siley. Oh, no. And then we found out because there's different words for the different sisters in a... So you have Jetty, Miley, Siley, Kylie, Kanchi. Which means like oldest sister, second oldest sister, third oldest, right? So he yeah. was calling you fourth, right? Yeah. So fifth is kind of a term of endearment. It's like, oh, you're the baby of the family. Yeah. But he was calling you the fourth sister. We were like, why is he doing that? And then our friend told us like, oh, that means he's kind of flirting with you. <laughs> like, <laughs> like a gross way. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh. So funny. So that's like how we're experiencing Nepal and mm -hmm. Nepali through the eyes of, like, this language. Right. We also kind of have the opposite thing of, like, we have Western American English things that we <laughs> want to ex express, and that just, like, doesn't exist. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, can I just not think about this anymore? Right. Like, is this a thing I don't talk about? Or, like, one example that... <laughs> I stuck out to me so much. This must like really cut me to the core. I don't know. <laughs> In Nepali, there's this one word for lazy and tired. Mm -hmm. It's the same word. <laughs> like, I do not want to be called lazy. I never want to be called lazy. I remember when I first moved here, my host mom like asked me, like, Oh, are you feeling she said the word that means lazy and tired? And I was like, Well, no. I'm just tired. I don't. And she's like, "So yeah, you're ulchy." And I'm like, "No, I'm tired, not lazy." No. It can mean like bored, yeah. like mm -hmm. yeah, <laughs> didn't work, yeah. Or like the day, the the word for happy is very all encompassing, mm. and we want to like really. Like, I think you were talking about this, that you kept asking your language teacher, like, oh, I feel like this. What's the word for that? When, you know, this amazing, really good thing happens. And she's like, "Kusi." You're like, no, <laughs> it's so much bigger than just happy. What is it? Happy. Like, oh. <laughs> yeah. Another one that I feel like is in English that has not in other languages like it's i we have this problem in spanish they also don't have it in nepali is awkward mm, yes and it made me realize that awkward is a very nuanced concept that i think maybe can only exist in certain types of cultures so <laughs> here's my theory are you ready yeah 
The reason American culture has this term awkward is because in order to feel awkward, you have to not know what to do. Yeah. Right? But I think it's because our culture is such a weird mix. Like, everyone's an immigrant, you know. So there are situations where you don't know what to do. But if you're from a more, like, established culture, I guess you could call it, there's never, like, that moment. Everyone's like, we all know how you should be acting, and you're not acting that way. Right, because Nepali has all of those terms that you know exactly within, like, the familial unit what Mm -hmm. you're supposed to do. Right. So, like... Yeah, like in Spanish, I remember trying to like work this out with someone and they were like, I was like giving scenarios like, oh, here's this awkward thing. And they're like, well, that person was wrong. And I'm like, no, it's, but it's awkward. You don't know. And they're like, so the person's stupid. And they're like, no, it's like, I don't know what to do in this uncomfortable situation. They're like, so uncomfortable? I'm like, but it's more than that. <laughs> Yeah, I know. Nepali's like closest approximation, I think, also just means like bizarre. Mm, yeah. And like that kind of works, but it's not quite the same no. thing Mm-mm. because it just means like you're out of the norm. Yeah. It's our Otherwise, own special thing. Yeah. It, you know what? It's got to come from Britain. What am I saying? That's not an American thing. They're the <laughs> best at being awkward. <laughs> Love you. <laughs> I feel like all the humor is about things that are awkward. Yeah. <laughs> so language is just absolutely amazing. Yes. Is what the summation of this. It's true. It's crazy how yeah. deep language goes mm-hmm. into our psyche. Yeah. And I love it. Yeah. I love it so much. Yeah. It's quite the adventure. Sure is. Mm. All right. Well, this has been a fun episode. Thanks for hanging out with me, White. No problem. (laughs) (laughs) White's like, my bedtime is in two minutes, so can we wrap this up? We're on my bed. (laughs) I'll just leave and you'll just immediately pass out. In Nepali culture, then, you know, if everyone's just in this common space that is the place where your bed is so you can just be like well good night (laughs) just cover up your head with a blanket it's so true i'm gonna do that i would do that except that we are actively recording a podcast (laughs) that would be very awkward for me um Anyway, um, but yeah, you guys keep following us on Instagram, yep. especially. You can also find us on Facebook and our website. Yep. We have a Patreon if you want to throw some cashola our way. We really appreciate it. Yep. We will continue being very inspiring and not live like kings. <laughs> yeah, with your money. <laughs> Don't worry. We're still in the hole. Um, yeah, I guess that's it. Thanks so much for being here. Thanks for listening. Yeah. You guys are awesome. Yeah. Thanks for Be st- sure to talk to us on the streets of Kathmandu. Yes, please. We love it. There's less and less white people now, so chances are getting <laughs> better and better that you will find us. You see a white person, that could be us. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yeah. All right. Well, I think I'm going to hang up the phone now. Okay. Okay. Well, okay. Great. Okay, we'll talk to you later. Rest. Okay. Rest. Okay. (laughs) See you tomorrow. Okay, bye. Okay. Bye.
we just worked out together so we used up all of our conversation yeah i have nothing to say to you well i think i'm done with the call